what I want to talk about is simply this. I'm just going to take some time over the next few weeks. And I want to talk about those things that sometimes keep us distant in our relationship with God, if we're not careful. I'm not saying that, you know, you've already read the title, The Danger of Self. I'm not saying that, that, that there is a danger in self, but there is a danger in self. I'm not saying that we're dangerous, but we can be if we're not careful, right? How we use our words, our actions, all of that. And I want to talk about a few things that I think we could just revisit that sometimes exclude us from experiencing the closeness that we want with Jesus. And we're not even aware of it. Things like this week, I'll talk about selfishness. There's, there's, there's going to be issues like anger in our life or unforgiveness, um, unresolved conflict, some of the things that we'll talk about in the next few weeks. But in Matthew and in Mark, this is the scripture where the people ask Jesus. They want to know, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? And so he responds to them and says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your uh, mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. And so that begs the question, how well do you love yourself? Because some of us might not be doing anybody any favors by loving them the way we love, we love ourselves. You know, we got a wrong definition or it's skewed a little. And, and so I, I'm just going to talk about this. And here's what I'm asking you to do, to ask the Holy Spirit, if there's anything you need to reveal to me, Lord, show me that, will you? Any place where maybe I've, I've made it about me. You know, we all want his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Can we agree with that? But I know I'm guilty of within that mindset and that kingdom that I tried to build some of my own things into it. You know what I mean? And I, I have to just say, Jesus, where have I done that? Will you show me so that I can, and will you do it gently, <laughs> so that I can see it and do something about it? Where do I need to surrender? What do I need to let go of? If you're here today and the Holy Spirit tells you that he wants you to let go of something, it's because he trusts you to cling on to him. Sometimes surrender doesn't mean you're, losing something. Rather, it's you're gaining something much greater. And so this is what we're going to talk about. They said, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God, heart, soul, mind, strength. Um, and the second is like unto it. In other words, it's chocolate and it's a Reese's peanut butter cup. All right. The two go together. You can't separate the two. And the second is just like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, your neighbor is not necessarily just the person that lives next door to you. Uh, it's not just necessarily the person that's sitting next to you. And, and your neighbor is not just the people that you like. It, this goes for the ones that you may not like or don't even know. You love them with this kind of love that God gives, but you can't do that if you're full of self. You know what I mean? I mean okay, all right. I have recently given up my membership to Planet Fitness. I know that fools all of you. Because I really don't go very often. And when I do, I go to people watch. Hey, you know, that's not, that's not, a, that's not a motive to go work. I mean, I, it kind of is. I mean, I'll get on the treadmill, and, but I'm walking while I'm looking at people. And what I love about watching people is in all of these gyms, the walls are covered with mirrors. Because everybody wants to see themselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but I get a kick out of the, you know, the guy, you know, ugh, all the faces and noises that come out of them, you know, and they're lifting weights and posing and, 
and, and girls are doing whatever it is girls do. And uh, I just love watching them because, and I'm guilty of it too, so I'm not making fun of other people. I'm just embracing the fact that I'm normal like everybody else. You know, you like to see yourself in the mirror, make sure things are, are looking okay. And it's amazing to me, they, those places, they line them with mirrors because those gyms and every other gym name that you can come up with discovered that people really like themselves. They really like themselves. Good, bad, the ugly. Uh, they, they like themselves. They like to see themselves. So they, 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 um, they the, down the whole wall, just mirrors. And we like to look in mirrors, whether we be, want to embrace that or not. You know, I remember my children <clears throat> wanting to look in mirrors a lot. You know, Drea would walk by and she usually just gave it a quick glance and would do some goofy face in it or make sure her hair was good or whatever. Seth, he was my dramatic boy. And I remember one day catching him. He, he, he was upset and he was crying. You know, hey, you're doing one of those. And he was mad because I think we probably told him no to something. And so he turned on the waterworks to try to convince us. But I caught him going by the mirror. And he looked at the mirror to make sure he's crying really good. Yeah, we're good, okay. And it didn't work. <clears throat> it didn't work. But he wanted to check into that mirror and make sure he knew what he was doing. He knew it was, I mean, if he didn't know it, he discovered it wasn't going to get him what he wanted. But if we're all honest, we, we have a lot of self-focus. Um, whether that's healthy or not is going to be determined by the decisions that we make. But it's, as I'll explain in just a moment, I'm going to give you just five areas where we are selfish. I'm just going to list them to you real quick here in a moment. Then I want to talk to you, just give you the three dangers of if we just let our lives embrace self, and then I'm going to give us three things of how we can correct that when we see it. Um, let me give you a little quiz to see if we can figure this out. Finish this phrase for me. What's in it for me? We know that one. People say it a lot. I got to be me. We know that phrase. I did it my way. Here's one I don't know if people have heard. I'm looking out for numero uno, right? And we know these phrases because we think about self and focus on, on self. And we've got magazines out there that are specifically focused on us. Allure, face, vogue, body. They've got a magazine called Self, you know, and it's all about, nothing wrong with them, but just do you see the pattern, how everything's aimed this way? And um, some books out there that were top sellers, here's their titles. Creating, recreating yourself. That was a top seller. Looking out for number one. Here's another book, and this has to be interesting. I want to read it, but I'm not going to. How to be your own best friend. <laughs> that was a top seller. Trusting yourself was another. Uh, pulling your own strings. That was the title of another book. And I'm just pulling them out because these were some top selling books because people want to focus on self. They want to look inward. Everything is Self, advertisers, marketers, they pick up on this. McDonald's says, you deserve what? A break today. You know where you find it? McDonald's. Come here and, and that's where you're going to find it. Burger King says, you can have it your way. We work for you. You're the boss. You're in control as long as you give us your money. Right? So, you can have it your way. There's another one that says, we do it all for you, is their phrase. 
You look at any sales pitch, <coughs> a restaurant, a store, they're going to have some catchy little jingle or slogan that is aiming at you, and we like that. Now, that sounds pretty harsh. I know you're like selfishness. This is going to be a, uh, not a fun topic. Well, it's not unfun. It's just we have to really see that, first of all, this is kind of how we're wired. When we were born into this world, we were born with a sin nature, right? It, in other words, we were born with the arrows pointing in, constantly focused on self. And what we have to do is get to a place that we learn to trust Jesus, invite him into the middle of that. And does he turn those arrows back outward immediately? No. At least that's not been my case. Let me say it that way. I invited Jesus into that, and Jesus showed up and loved me right where I was at. And in all of my, the love I had in my heart, I loved Jesus. I still prayed prayers like this. Lord, bless me. Lord, help me. Help me financially to be stable. Lord, exalt me. Now, I didn't, you know what I mean, not exalt. Raise me up. Help me up. Uh, Lord, promote me. Lord, give me. Those were my, my prayers, right? Now, is there anything with asking for God to promote you? No, 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 there's not. Is it, is it okay to ask God to bless you financially? It is. It's not a trick question. Is it, is it okay to say, Lord, I want your blessings? Absolutely. But my point is, is when I first gave my heart to Jesus, do you see how it was still focused with the arrows pointing in? I love Jesus, but it was, Lord, give me, Lord, bless me, Lord, me, 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 me. And you know what he did? He came in and loved me right where I was at. And then he started to talk to me. He said, hey, Jim, why don't we turn one of those arrows? You know, at least halfway, how's that? And I'd be like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? And the Lord starts to lead us and show us that he wants to bless us, and as we'll find out in a moment, but he doesn't want to just bless us like we're some container that hoards it. He wants to, he wants to flow through us and to be a blessing to others. So why is it that we're selfish? Philippians chapter 2 says, <laughs> don't merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's a life gem to hold on to. The greatest battles you win will not be in the war zones of your life. It'll be in the very inner chambers of your own heart. And if you win those battles, you truly win. And that's what he was trying to get the people to understand. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit. The second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Selfishness, uh, according to Pastor Jim Jr., is when we do what we do because we want what we want. You know, that's the best way I can define it. We do what we do because we want what we want. And, and, and repeating that, you remember the definition of ins insanity? We said it's doing the same thing over and over in what? Expecting the same results, right? And so I asked myself, why is it that we're selfish? I'm just going to give you all five here real quick. Number one, because of our sin nature. I already referred to that one. We were born in this sin nature. Number two, because we're insecure. I, I, you know, you might say, well, Pastor, you just called me insecure. I, I, that was not a personal attack. We are all, on some level, insecure because our security is really found in Christ Jesus. Number three, we're in pain and we hurt. And when we're in pain and we hurt, we make decisions based on self uh, and, and wrap it around that. Number four, because we want to rebel. Sometimes we will get selfish um, and we want to rebel against the system, rebel against authority. And, and, and that's a whole other sermon right there. But this is why sometimes we get selfish. And then number five, it's because we're afraid. 
We get selfish and start making decisions and doing things because we're afraid, we're scared. And instead of leaning into our Savior, it's our nature to think about me, myself, and I uh, first. And so if we continue to live that way, and if we continue to just walk, walk these out and never address them, is it no wonder why life feels so difficult at times and, and, and we're going through all these hard things? So there's some dangers that come if we, we leave these unchecked, if you will. And here's what it does. Number one, the first danger is it sets you up to be deceived. It sets you up to be deceived. Um, what happens is this. You and I always, just, it's our nature, whether, you know, we're good at it and being kind or patient, or anybody here good at being patient, you know? Man, I just love waiting. <laughs> A lot of us don't. But what happens is, is the danger of selfishness will deceive us and get us to think about just what you want, when you want it, take a shortcut. Uh, the enemy always offers shortcuts when we're talking about God's path for our life. And what he'll do is the enemy will try to deceive us and, and to, to take a shortcut and to not let go. I've shared this story before, but <clears throat> uh, if you remember in the uh, Amazon, hunters, people will go out and they, they will try to catch monkeys, okay? And here's how they'll do it. They'll take a coconut and they'll cut a hole in the top of the coconut, about the size of a quarter, half dollar, something like that, and they'll hollow out the coconut inside there, and on the bottom of the coconut, they'll attach something, a rope, a chain, a, I don't know what it really is, uh, but they attach something that they can, they can pull it if they need to. And what they do is they go into the jungle, they know the monkeys are looking, they know the monkeys are watching, and they'll take that coconut, and they'll take a bunch of rice, and they'll dump it inside the coconut, and then they'll leave, and they leave the coconuts there. And later on, maybe when the sun goes down or if they're really hungry and they think nobody's around, the monkeys will come down and they will stick their hand inside that coconut and they will grab the rice and make a fist. But the size of their fist won't come out of the coconut. See, their hand, it was drilled to the perfect size so their hand could go in. But when they grabbed what they wanted, they couldn't get out and they were trapped. They were caught. And so they'd start, you know, losing their minds and running around, but never once thought about letting go of the rice that was in their hand. Why? Because they wanted what they wanted. And so they'd freak out and they'd run up a tree and that whoever in there would just pull them back down. Bam, that monkey would hit the ground. He'd stand back up, still fist of rice in hand, didn't know what's going on, try to run back up that tree. Bang, and they'd knock it back down. They'd keep doing that until they finally caught the monkey. The monkey never once thinking about, if I just let go of this rice, I could be free. And my first thought when I heard that story was, man, the monkeys are stupid. And immediately the Lord said, Jim, you're one of those monkeys, or at least you were. How many times, Jim, have you wanted what you wanted, grabbed it, held onto it for dear life, even when I was whispering to you, let it go, and you would not let it go. And I'm like, let's talk about the monkeys again. I don't want to talk about me, right? We, we, we don't want to do that. But it got me thinking, you know, this is how the enemy tries to set us up many times. He'll get you and I to think about ourselves above anything else, even God himself, especially God, God's voice, God's word, God's direction. That's why we need to be able to hear him clearly so we don't be, become <coughs> deceived and trapped. 
So maybe today, maybe the Holy Spirit's telling you to let go of some rice, right? So you can be free from that trap. I don't know. That's between you and God. But I know that he's calling us to this place of releasing that. And sometimes when we tell God, Lord, take it from me. I've had prayers like this. I, let, let's say um, this piece of paper is something I've been holding on to that God wants me to let go of. And I really want to, I really want to give it up, but I really don't want to let go. You know what I mean? You know, I know I should surrender. I know I should release. I know I should give. But I really like this piece of paper. Jesus, please do whatever it takes. You know what Jesus will do sometimes? He'll light that paper on fire. You'll let go eventually, eventually. And when he lights that thing on fire, it can feel like he's doing harm to you, but he's not. You've asked for his help. He's helping you. And he's trying to get you to that place of release and letting go. So if you're here today and and you're saying, I've got a choice. I can let go of the rice or I can have the paper set on fire. I really recommend let go. But if you can't, I've had to pray those prayers. Jesus, I'm struggling. I can't let go of this addiction, this mindset, this, this, this forgiveness, this whatever, fill in the blank. And I, I, don't know, I don't know what more to do. He says, let's light it up. And that always seems to work. <laughs> but it's not the most pleasant feeling in the world. And sometimes you'll question, was that God or wasn't that? You see, what he's trying to do in those times, God's not being mean. God's not being um, uh, spiritually abusive. He's, he's delivering you from the things that will bring you and can bring you down. So sometimes he'll set those aflame because he knows how deception goes. Let me take it back to Genesis. It was back then in Genesis, Eve was walking by the tree of knowledge and Satan said, now the, the verse says this, hey, can you eat of that? He was a crafty serpent. Eve said, well, God said, I can eat of any tree. So the scripture says, The serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die, for God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. But here's how I really think it kind of went. Because you read the verse and you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Here's how I think it went. Eve comes into the garden. I'm not changing scripture, but the enemy is slick. He's sneaky. He's the great deceiver. And I think it went more like, I'm not changing any words, just I can hear him though, because I've heard him try to lure me away. The serpent said to the woman, you surely won't die, right? He says so casually. Who, who, told, who told you that? For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes are going to be opened. And at that point, she's probably like, yes, tell me more. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, he's so rich and syrupy, right? He just tries to lure you in. And you think, well, maybe this is a good thing. Watch out. It's a monkey trap. And you'll get yourself caught. The enemy will do whatever he can to separate you from God and self. And it, it's the difference between God's way and the world's way. Um, we can't not be selfish because we are self. But we can say, God, I want to surrender that to you. And I want you to lead me and guide me and guard me and and direct me, but we have to be willing to surrender that. James chapter 3, verse 15 says, Jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and inspired by guess who? The devil. It's inspired by the devil. 
Romans 12.2 says, Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. <clears throat> you see, we're not to allow the world to shape us. We're not to, supposed to conform to the world. We're supposed to be transformed so that we can go into the world and, and be the kingdom that he's called us to be. So maybe God's speaking to you and challenging you with something new or something. How do you not know if it's God or not? If we're embracing self and falling for the traps, we won't hear his voice and the enemy can deceive us. Here's the other danger. Number two, it robs you of genuine relationships. <coughs> now notice I didn't say it just robs you of relationships. It robs you of genuine relationships. James 4 says, where do you think all appalling wars and quarrels come from? They come about because you want your own way and you fight for it deep inside yourself. That's the Phillips translation. The greatest victories are won deep inside your very self, your heart, deep inside of you. And we've got to understand that because Proverbs 18.1 says, an unfriendly man pursues selfishness to the end. In other words, if you keep choosing selfishness, you may act like you're full of love, but really you're just loving yourself and you're using other people to love yourself. You know what I mean? What I, mean? I, I call it cat love, okay? We, we, we don't, yes, I call it cat love because we used to have cats. I mean, one at a time, but uh, we're done with cats now. But our last cat, her name was Chicha. And uh, it's a pretty cool name. It was an Ecuadorian name. Lisa came, somebody came up with. And uh, Chicha she's like any other cat. She's very sweet and very cute and very lovey. And she makes you feel like you're the greatest person in the room until she's done with you and leaves. And then you realize it was never about you. It was always about her. You know what I'm talking about? I'd wake up in the morning and Chicha'd come in purring and would wrap around my legs and rub herself up, you know, rubbing her face. And I'd scratch her. And then about Two minutes into it, I go down to scratch her again. She'd be like, and she'd run out, and she was done with me, right? I'm like, you stupid cat. And that's when I realized this cat doesn't love me at all. This cat loves itself and is using me to express that. It's a cat-type love. You see, what I'm, what's my point? Be careful that we don't, you know, I, I want to be about love. Is it genuine love or real love, or is it a chicha kind of love? You're just using people using your job, using your status, whatever, to appear like you're a loving person when you know deep down inside, I'm just doing this for me. See how that self-arrows pointing inward. That's a dangerous thing because what happens is you lose relationships over things like that. <coughs> that kind of selfishness breaks down relationships that could be genuine. And you miss out on the best because you're so focused on yourself. It can affect your marriage. It can affect your business. It'll affect your life. So be very careful and watch out for that. And the third danger to watch out for is this. We must learn this before it robs us of God's blessings. Before it robs us of God's blessings. You say, well, what's wrong with receiving blessings? Nothing. I love, re I love being blessed. Anybody here not like being blessed? We all like to be blessed. It's like saying, anybody here not like to get a present or an envelope of cash? Well, we would all like that. 
And I know some people, their love language is receiving gifts more than, <clears throat> more than others. But we all like to receive. But be careful, because if you focus on self too long, it will rob you of all the blessings that God wants to bring your way and can't because you're too busy giving cat love. And he says, I don't want, God, God will not be used. You surrender to him. And, and, and that's the kind of love that he's calling us to. Uh, Acts 20.35 said, it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. It is a blessing to receive, but God says there's a greater blessing, and that's found in giving to one another. If you understand that, then you begin to receive God's blessings. <clears throat> uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 11 says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? Now, this is about where you think, oh, he's going to start talking about money. He's going to start talking about tithing. And that is included in it. But you know, there's, there's much more than just money. You know, money ain't nothing but a thing to God, right? We worship it. We adore it. We want it. We need it. But it doesn't mean anything to Jesus. And he will bless you. You can give, you know, he wants to know, though, what will you do with it? He says, if, if, I, if, I, if I bless you and you're not able to handle this stuff I give you here, how can I trust you with the greater things? And at that point, that's when we usually go, what's greater than that? See, we, we, we don't know because we're focused on self. And he says, if we're not faithful with God gives, how can he give you the true riches? And some might think the true riches are the riches of this world. No, that's just this right here, your house, your home, your car, your job, your cash. This is just a testing ground. That's all it is. It's just a testing ground to see if you can handle well that which he's given to you so that he can trust you with more, so that he can tr <coughs> trust you with what the Bible says, true riches. Well, what are some of those true riches that you're talking about? Uh, it, they're things that can't be bought. It's things like influence, encouragement, transformation that leads to evangelism, prayer <coughs> that brings wholeness, spiritual, physical, emotional healing. These are the true riches uh, and they're the true gifts that God wants to give us. But if you can't trust us to tithe a dime, why would he give us any more? If he can't entrust us with our, here's something that's much greater than money, and some people would argue me on this, but time. We all have time, but we don't make it. Here's another thing you have. You have talents. Some of you in here think you have more talents than you actually have. And some of you have the opposite, right? Well, how do I know what those talents are? You hone in and say, God, what are you showing me? What do you want me to do? And he will blow your mind because he might even ask you to do some things you never thought capable. You, you never thought you'd be able to. But the question remains, are you going to stay focused on him or you? Are you going to obey him or are you going to obey you? So calendar, time. Yes, money's involved in that, and, and I encourage that. If you're not tithing, uh, it's always a dime, right? If your income goes up, oh, now I've got to pay more tithe. No, you don't. It's still a dime. If you lose some of your income, then you don't have to give as much. It's still a dime. He doesn't care about your money. He cares about your heart. Amen? That's what he's after. So that's my little plug. Uh, the calendar, the time. Why? Why is this a big deal? Because it's measurable. 
and how you handle it. Are you willing to steward it well? And are you willing to bless others? Or do you only use it for yourself? 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, In the last days, it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. For people will love money only themselves and their money. And God is saying, be careful, or selfishness is going to rob you of his true blessings. So how do we defeat this? <coughs> First, we drink water. And then we make a choice to be a consistent giver. If you want to overcome the selfishness in your life, now don't get me wrong, I'm not here today saying, y'all are selfish, and I'm not. I'm saying we all, to some degree, are selfish because that's how we were wired. That's how we were created. Arrows pointing in. But now he's wanting to get to this place where he teaches us to point the arrows out. How do you do that? One of the ways is make a choice to be a consistent giver. You still talk about the tithe, Pastor? It's included, but I'm talking about also your time, your talents, and yes, your treasures. But Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who steals, steal no longer but rather let him labor in order that he might have something to share with him who has need. There's people in your path that need your time. They need to know that they're valued. They need to know that they're important. I, they, need, they need to be honored. We, my opinion, we are horrible at that, honoring people. Like that we want to be honored, but we're horrible at honoring people. And we have an opportunity to be able to do something about that. But are we going to do something about it or are we just going to let life pass us by and continue to embrace self? You see, in order to break a habit of, of stealing or uh, be a... Con- we have to be a consistent giver. Otherwise, it robs us of the best that God has for us. We have to come to a place where we allow... <clears throat> Jesus to correct that in our hearts so that we don't get greedy. You know what I mean by greedy. Um, you can tell people who are greedy because it's always me, myself, and I. Their hands always out. They're always taking. Um, the best definition of greed I can give you is greed is keeping everything you get. Money, praise, credit, applause, acceptance, everything. You hold on to everything you receive, and it's like a black hole. It never gets full. You're just always taken. That's, that's what greed is like. Someone once said the black hole, you know, scientists talk about the black hole in space and it's just sucking everything in. And one guy said, this seems like a good picture of the entrance to hell. (laughs) I thought, yeah, that could be the front door right there because it's all about greed. It's all about about self. And uh, when you look up, God has called us to be a light in a dark world. Amen? Okay, so when you look up in the sky and you see the planets... You see the stars, and you know, when it's not a cloud-covered night, the stars shine brighter, and you know, everything's lit up. But let's say that you removed all of the stars, you removed all of the planets, nothing's up there. It would be pretty dark, wouldn't it? But does that mean that the light is not shining? Is the light still shining? The light is still shining, but it is darker than dark and we can't see anything. Why? Because there's nothing there in the darkness to reflect the light that's shining over here. Jesus is the light. The world that we live in is dark. And what, what is it that you and I are called to do? We are called to reflect that light 
into this dark world. That's what he calls us to be, reflective surfaces. Matthew 5 says, You are the light of the world. Now let your light so shine before men so they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He calls us to be a consistent giver. Whatever that means for you. Being the light of Jesus in a dark place. Being willing to go when God says go. Being willing to surrender when God says surrender. Being willing to give in the tithe if that's what he's telling you to do. Be willing to make time in your schedule for those that are important to you (coughs) and the closest to you. Whatever that is. If you want to overcome this, if I can just call it a spirit of selfishness, becoming selfish, be a consistent giver. You and I have to make sure that that is a priority. And then number two, commit to doing everything God's way. Be a consistent giver, but do it his way, not Burger King's way, not McDonald's way. You do it God's way because he's, he's, he's the creator. Um, Proverbs 10.22 says, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Uh, boil that down, and I would say it this way. If you want Bible blessings, do it the Bible way. Be a consistent giver, do everything God's way. You want, you want the Bible blessings? I think all of us would say amen and a big hallelujah. Well, then you got to do it the Bible way, and that's when we start getting quiet. Our amens kind of disappear. Hallelujah is out the door, you know. But when you do it God's way, you get God's blessings. But if you want to do it your way, then you've already got your reward. You know, you're already there. He says to fight against that spirit of selfishness or that mindset, commit to doing everything God's way. John chapter 3, verse 27 says, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So everything you have, no matter how many times you tell me that you have it, you own it, or you bought it, you got it because God gave it to you, allowed you to have it. You know, I, a few weeks ago, I asked you the trick question. How many people here own their house? Nobody owns their house, really. Well, I got a piece of paper that says it does, okay? When you die, what happens to that piece of paper? Well, it goes to somebody else, not your house. You know, the things that God allows us to have, it, everything that we have, it comes from God. We have such a fear, though, of not succeeding in this world that we allow selfishness to kick in. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord shall be exalted. It's the whole thing about the world's way and God's way. If you trust God, you'll be exalted. If you trust yourself, it's a snare. You're caught in a monkey trap and you don't know how to get out. I I, I put it this way in my notes. If you fear man, you will fear everything else. If you fear God alone, you will fear nothing else because you made him the priority. Don't be afraid of missing out on a blessing. Trust God. Wait, what's the phrase? Uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, right? You know, don't don't be afraid of missing out on the... Trust God, just simply obey him and he will reveal to you beautiful things you probably never thought you could do or see. There's times in my life when God has called me to change direction and I didn't understand it. And I, the, the question was, you know, well, my questions were, well, if I do, what's it going to be like? Uh, do, do we go to Bible college? Do we move to Dallas? And if we do, where am I going to work? And how am I going to pay for it? And I started asking all the questions, right? Because I was focused on self. 
He didn't say a word. And when I got done asking him all the questions, he said, so you going to go? I was like, but you didn't answer any of my questions. He said, you didn't answer mine either. And you see, it wasn't until we stepped out on obedience that God started to provide. It's the same thing. Trust that God is going to, to, to provide for you. He's our provider. Commit to doing everything that God, um, commit to doing it God's way. And he starts to reveal to you the beauty uh, of what's in this world. Do you guys remember the name James Dobson? Okay. He's a, I don't know how old he is now, but he's an older gentleman. And I was reading one of his stories. It was a story he was telling of when he was a kid. He went out with his father, I think. It was his father or his grandfather. They got up early one morning, and we're going to go down by the meadow and watch the sun come up and just check out the colors. You know, they were out in kind of a rural area. They were just going to welcome the new day and look at the beautiful things God had created. So the Dobsons decided that they're going to go take care of that, and um, they took with them binoculars, and they took with them a camera. And they started to just kind of look at everything that was going on and how beautiful it was. And they started just talking, and they had some corn, and they were shucking the corn, and then they put the corn in the feeder, and then they just stepped away from it and kind of hid back in the trees and just started to watch. And it was then that all of a sudden, a huge six-point buck, I mean, just a massive buck came out and started to eat the corn. Now, if that thing came out in Iowa, what would we do? <laughs> Kablam, right? We like to hunt them. But they weren't out there for that purpose that day. And the dad told James Dobson, he called him Jimmy at the time. Jimmy, he said, <clears throat> I want to tell you something. He said, that deer's lucky we're not a, that we're equipped with a camera. And we're just enjoying the beauty uh, that God has provided. Most of the times, he told his son, a hunter with a rifle is waiting with a scope trained on the deer, waiting to bag the buck. Take it home. And James Dobson said this. He said, I will never forget what he then said to me. He said, son, always remember, just because it's free doesn't mean that you're to take it. And it was a huge life lesson for him. He, he was hearing from his father, but how many times have you had something possibly in front of you that you could take that was free? Well, you take all of that, don't you? Not always. Well, how do I know? What did God say? Well, I didn't talk to him. I didn't ask him. Who did you confer with? Uh, me, myself, and I. <laughs> and that's where we get ourselves into trouble. And here's the last thing. Well, then what do I do? Number three, realize how much you, you have already received. Make sure you, you do three things here. Make a choice, be a consistent giver. Time, talents, treasure. Commit to do everything, doing everything God's way. And then realize how much you have already received. If you are here today, you have Jesus in your heart. You are going to heaven. How many of you are a little bit excited about that? Yeah, see, it's like, yay. We should be shouting from the rooftop because we know we've got eternity promised to us. But I know that every day it's not like, well, Pastor, I'm not going to wake up every day and do cartwheels because of this. I'm just going to live in the knowledge that I know I'm saved. Absolutely. But don't let it stop there. Realize how much you have already received that God has blessed you with and has given to you. Because how many of you know it's easy to find what's wrong in your world? It's harder to find what's right. It's easier to find where the money went 
instead of the money you got. It's easier to find out how messed up the rest of your family is, forgetting the fact that you're messed up yourself. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? You got to balance this out and realize God has blessed me with so many different things. Realize how much you have already received. And we can start right with eternity. Billy Graham, <clears throat> these statistics are a little old, but he put them out there. He said, we in the United States of America compose 5% of this world's population, but consume 63% of the world's goods. We drive 60% of the autos manufactured and purchase 70% of all the insurance. We hold just 5% of the world's population, yet we generate 50% of all travel. Last year, now this is a few years, he said there was $300 million were spent on laxatives, $780 million on acids, we must have problems, right? And $960 million on deodorant. That should make us the most fragrant people with the calmest stomachs, but we're always looking for more. We always want more. We're always looking out for ourselves. And we need to start with what God has already blessed us with. The greatest thing that we can give is our time. I'll end with this uh, story. <clears throat> Pastor Wayne Cordero, you may know him, you, you may not, but he was like a mentor to me. Still is, but uh, he, he preached, uh, he was the uh, senior pastor in Hawaii, you know, which obviously that's, I'd love to be called there, right? And uh, I got introduced to him and we just developed a relationship. And he's just spoken a few times into my life, but he knows who I am. He knows my name. And um, I was, he's now, I think, in Oregon, but he told a story of a friend of his by the uh, name of Gene. His friend's name is Gene. And Gene was going through a hard time. And so Pastor Wayne would meet with him. <clears throat> They developed a friendship and they started going out to weekly lunches. They'd meet every week for lunch. And Gene told Pastor Wayne, he said, I so appreciate you. He said, I want to buy, I want to buy, I want to pay for lunch today. And Pastor Wayne said, oh no, you don't need to do that. He says, I got it. And Gene said, nope, I want to pay. And he grabbed the receipt and he paid for the lunch. So next week when they were to meet, Pastor Wayne thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go 15 minutes early. And I'm going to tell the waitress that I want the bill because I want to bless Gene. So he went there about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes early. And he found the waitress and he said, ma'am, he said, Gene's coming in a few minutes. And I want to make sure today that you give me the bill. And she looked at Pastor Wayne and said, Gene told me you might do this. And Gene told me that I wasn't supposed to allow it to happen. So Gene shows up, big grin on his face. Pastor Wayne says, come on, let me pay. And Gene said, no, very firmly, no. He said, I want, I, want to, I want to bless you. And he said, well, you don't have to pay for every week. He said, well, he said, I'm going to try. And he said, come on, let me pay. And he went back the next week. So Wayne Cordero thought, well, I'm going to go earlier this time. And he went 30 minutes early and he pulled out a credit card. And he handed it to the waitress and said, listen, Gene will be here in about a half an hour. I want to pay this week. Here's my credit card. Wink, wink. You know, I'll give you a good tip. You know, just let me pay. And she said, he told me you might do that too. <laughs> and she said, put your card away. I can't do it because he's already taken care of me. 
And he said, Gene, come on, why won't you let me pay? And he said, no, he said, I want to pay for this. It's a way to honor you. It's a way to bless you. And Pastor Wayne said, Gene, you don't understand. I go to bed at night dreaming dreams of buying you dinner. You know, please make my dreams come true. To which Gene said, no. And to my knowledge, Pastor Wayne is still dreaming. He's never paid. What's my point? I, I thought about how many times Jesus has paid for my lunch. Not just once, not just twice. He's paid for my lunch so many times, I can't even remember. And you know what I mean, paid for my lunch. He's forgiven me. He's redeemed me. How many times have you maybe been like me where you just said, God, I got off the path, and he says, it's all right, it's paid for. How many times have you been walking with Jesus and you fell down, but he was right there and said, get back up. It's paid for. Jesus has taken care of all of that. And what he's calling us to is a closer relationship with him. And one of the things <coughs> to get closer, one of the things that try to keep us from that closeness is when we focus on self instead of Jesus. May we be very careful to not fall for the traps and get deceived, the monkey traps. May we not settle for cat love, the chicha kind of love, but the genuine one that develops and restores relationships, and then be a giver, do it God's way, and thank God for what we already received. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray today that you would help us to understand the great desire you have for us to completely embrace you. Lord, we admit today that we are, we are selfish to some degree just simply by the nature of which we've been created. But Lord, you're teaching us today to come into your presence and to surrender. And today, maybe there's some here that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you to just release or let go, to not stay entrapped any longer. And it's always going to be our decision. And my prayer is simply, Jesus, that we would let go and trust you. Father, we want you more than anything else. Lord, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. But we also understand that we have to cooperate with that. So Jesus, forgive us when we've been stubborn, when we've been self-centered. And Lord, help us to let go of the rice uh, and not stay trapped any longer. Help us to not settle for second best, but for a genuine love in relationship. Help us to be givers and show us what it means to give. We ask in your name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year. We